What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome back to the same old Dolphin show. Our theme song, as always, brought to you by the band Bad Bruno. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Bad Bruno Punk. I'm here. I'm Josh Katzker. I'm joined, as always, by my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? I don't know why in the hell uh, I agreed to do this show this early in the morning. I mean, I know for probably most of the people listening, 9, 9.20 in the morning isn't too early. I am just not a morning person. Uh, why am I doing this? Why am I awake right now? Give me coffee. Put it put it into my veins uh, so I can have it intravenously uh, while we do this show because I am in desperate need of waking up. So here's my question for you. I mean, we're doing this show, uh, you know, and really great to talk about the time of day that we're recording a podcast that's not going to be listened to in any particular given time. Context, context. But, but uh, you know, why did you, why did you not plan ahead? Why did you not have the coffee maker programmed and ready to go so you had hot coffee ready to record? Well, the plan was to wake up at 8.30 uh and did you tie you one know, on last night and and have some uh you know have plenty of time to to get out of bed and you know brew up some coffee and have it ready for the show have a big mug while I'm while we're recording but you were like Jason Taylor at Hall of Fame weekend stayed out all night yeah i mean i was i was home by 1:30 too bad, but the the main thing is is I uh, I slept through the alarm. I woke up and it was oh, eight fifty five. Look like so, this, yeah. Well, so. that's neither here nor there, Brain. Uh, we have actual Miami Dolphins football stuff to talk about this kind week. Of. Kind of. I mean, it's preseason. It's so it's kind of real football. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I don't know. Uh, it's not exactly football, but it's football-ish. It's sort of like a like a like a TV dinner, you know. <laughs> it's it's like, sort of dinner. It's sort of real food. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like it's sort of like a like a tombstone pizza. It's it's pizza like, but it's not real pizza, right? But right. Uh, at any rate, it's happened. The Dolphins played their first preseason game of the season. And really the biggest news coming out of that preseason game is that is that the Dolphins continue to be bit by the preseason injury bug. Um, we obviously, we did our whole last episode about the Dolphins signing Jay Cutler because of the Tannehill injury. We had mentioned that Jay Ajayi... Uh, has been out with a concussion. I don't even think we mentioned on the last show the the Ted Larson injury, the biceps injury that's going to see him miss probably at least half of the season. And uh, now, in the first preseason game of the season, on his very first play in any form as a Miami Dolphin, Raekwon Miller tears his ACL and is now going to miss the entire season, which throws the already questionable Miami Dolphins linebacker core into complete disarray. So, Brain, how are the Dolphins going to recover from this uh, injury to a key second-round draft pick who they had really high hopes for? Yeah, really. I mean, there's no other way to put it than 
it really, really sucks. Uh, the linebacking core was one of the one of the weaknesses of this team last year, and was one of, if not the most important thing for this team to figure out coming into this off season, and they thought they had done it. Uh, you know, you you thought that you were going to get Koamisi coming back from injury. They went and they signed Lawrence Timmons from the Steelers. And then they use a second round draft pick on Raekwon McMillan. And every single thing that came out of camp was just high praise for this guy. Um, not just his play on the field, but the way he had taken to the starting middle linebacker job was calling all the plays, uh, was really uh, showing good chemistry with the with the veterans on the team, and everybody just believed in him, and it was and it was everything was looking good. But here we are, one preseason game down. Did, I mean, Koamisi. Uh, his his well, not his career, possibly his career, but his season ended uh, before training camp even started with them putting him on the IR uh, with his ongoing neck injury. And now Raekwon McMillan tears his ACL and he will join Misi on IR. And now you come in to. I mean, hopefully you come into the season with what they've got. We've still got three more preseason games, so hold on. We don't know who else could go down with injury. But you're basically coming in with Lawrence Timmons, Kiko Alonso, and then you've got Neville Hewitt and Mike Hall. Uh, those were supposed to be your two backups. Just want to throw out there that Neville Hewitt is among my favorite uh, names for a linebacker of all time. He doesn't sound like a linebacker. He sounds like he should be like a banker in Mary Poppins or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I just want to mention that. That's it's just important. Carry on. All right. <laughs> um, so one of the big questions coming into camp, even with a healthy Raekwon McMillan, was going to be the positioning of these linebackers who was going to end up being the middle linebacker because both Alonzo and Timmons have had history playing both positions. Alonzo primarily a weak side linebacker in his career, but played admirably uh, as the middle linebacker last season. Once Koamisi went down um, and Lawrence Timmons, a guy who, has played in th in a 3-4 where he's been kind of a middle linebacker. He's played in some multiple defenses where he's played on the outside, on the strong side. And it seemed like they had settled it. Alonzo was going to play on the weak side, Timmons on the strong side, and McMillan in the middle. But now with McMillan gone, uh, now you that remains very much unclear. We know that Hewitt and Hull are going to be battling for a starting linebacker job unless the Dolphins go out and sign somebody else. You're going to have over the next couple of weeks uh, some guys that uh, become available, uh, the cap casualties, 
Um, whether or not any quality linebacker options become available, anybody that the Dolphins could potentially sign as a starter. I've got an un- idea. Since well, since Adam Gase is in the business of, of uh, talking people out of retirement, you know, maybe he had conversations with Brian Cox last week. Oh, God. Bring Brian <laughs> Cox out of retirement? I mean... If you're going to go Brian Cox, why not go Jason? I mean, uh, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. At least. <laughs> I mean, first off, Zach Thomas was a better linebacker. Second, he's, he's younger than Brian Cox. And third, at least he was he was at the practice facility. But attitude is everything. Well, so are 15-yard penalties. That's that's also true. So, but, so regardless, it sounds so it's it's a difficult situation for the Dolphins in the linebacking department. And it puts, yeah, I mean they the the depth is questionable, and now and now you've got a big hole in the middle or on the outside, depending on how they decide to shuffle it, and and it's just you know McMillan looked so good in preseason, and they had such high hopes for him this year, and look. An ACL injury is not the end-all, be-all. Uh, you know, it's not like this is going to necessarily, like, derail his career. Uh, the good thing is it happens in the first preseason game. He's got a whole year to rehab, and he should be back next year. So it might not be a huge problem long-term. But as far as this season, you know, it, it takes – one of the things that the that the Dolphins thought that they had shored up and it it turns it back into a, a real weakness on this defense. And the defense, uh, one of the bigger question marks coming into the season because, let's face it, they were dreadful uh, really the last dreadful. month of the season. Really they were bad. Actually, they were actually the worst defense in the NFL uh, on a yards per play basis yeah the last month of the season so uh there was a lot of shoring up to do and some of the shoring up that they thought they have done has now been undone at least for this year well and maybe it's maybe it's a situation where we're it's all set up to be a situation where the dolphins end up having to make a last minute signing of a new linebacker and it turns out to be some genius move. And this becomes the narrative of the off season is the dolphins are forced into a lot of, you know, desperation transactions and they all, you know, turn into gold. That's, that's me being, you know, all head in the clouds, optimistic, but you know, are, are you sure that you're a, a dolphin fan? <laughs> have you, have you followed this team for the last 20, yeah, I did, years? but you see, the, the problem is the problem is they spent so much time last season not being the same old Dolphins that I they've got me drinking the Kool-Aid here. And yes, I know I should know better than that, but, you know, I can't help it. But that's what the same old Dolphins do. That's what they do. They get you, they get your hopes up. They get you excited. You think, oh, this is it. This is going to be, this is going to be where they turn the corner. And then they crush your dreams. But anyway, that's that's the linebacker situation. There were some uh, other things that came out of out of the uh, game on Thursday against the Falcons. A game that they won, by the way. 
The Miami Dolphins are undefeated with a 23-20 victory over the NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Um, and, you know, again, it's preseason, so you can't read anything into it, but the, the Falcons do have a propensity for blowing second-half leads against teams from the AFC East, apparently, and it continues into the preseason. But um, I thought the... I mean, while most of the offensive line did not start, I think German Bushrod was the only uh, offensive line starter that played for the Dolphins. I thought the offensive line play was sort of questionable in the game. And obviously it was just the Dolphins just doing a lot of mixing and matching and let's see what works and let's see how much depth we have on this offensive line. How much depth the Dolphins do have on the offensive line remains a question mark after that game. But Something that is not a question mark coming out of that game is the Miami Dolphins' depth at wide receiver because a lot of the Dolphins' young wide receivers in this game on Thursday looked really good. Leontay Carew uh, made a made a couple of nice catches. Jakeem Grant looked good on returns and made an incredible catch going up. He must have jumped three stories. He, he compared himself to Spud Webb. After that, uh, did you did you see this, Aaron? That he that uh, he <laughs> Jakeem Grant said it's just like a spud web out there. Talking about his his ability to jump, he said he's got bunnies. Well, he he's a he's about two inches taller than Spud Webb. I don't know that he's got quite the ups of of a spud web, but he did get up there on that on that particular play and. He's having a really good camp, at least as a receiver. I'm, and and this was a really encouraging sign. And Carew, who's been having a great camp, makes a big play. And it, it's really big that they get production or at least, you know, know that they've got some depth in those two receivers. Now, when it comes to Grant, I still think the most important thing to come out of this season is – you need Jakeem Grant, his explosiveness on special teams, but you can't put him in a kick returner's role unless he can consistently field the ball. And that was a problem last year, and it was a problem the first week of training camp. And we saw Storm Johnson returning kicks, and I don't know... Uh, look, Jakeem Grant, there's going to be a place for him on this team. I think he's proven that he is at the very least going to be the fifth receiver and his explosiveness makes him an interesting weapon to have on the field for the Dolphins. But the only way that he's going to really make a big impact this year, in my estimation, is as a return man. And we've just got to see if he can consistently field kicks and field punts and hold on to the ball, because you could be as explosive as anybody in the league, but if you can't hold on to the ball, there will not be a place for you returning kicks in this league. As far as Leonte Carew, look, the Dolphins traded up to get him last year, uh, and he was pretty much a ghost last year. We didn't really see him too much. I think he had what, like eight catches, something like that. Uh, it was really like a non-factor in his rookie year. 
But then he came into camp and that all the word was he was in better shape and he's playing faster. And here we see it on the field. This is really big because let's say Devontae Parker has a big breakout and Leontay Carew has a big year as the Dolphins number four receiver and shows that he has some potential to be a very good receiver in this league. If this is the leading Dolph- to the Dolphins not paying Jarvis Landry, I don't know that I'm subscribing. That's, well, that is going to be, and look, you got to let this play out because it looks like uh, all the news is that he's not going to get the long-term deal that he wants prior to this season starting. Um, so this is going to probably be tabled for the entire year and it's going to be revisited this coming, you know, in the off season after this season, Jarvis Landry has been vocal about, uh, he wants to be paid like an elite receiver. I don't know that he's necessarily an elite receiver. I know that he's a very, very good receiver. I know that his particular set of skills uh, make him arguably the best possession slash slot receiver in the league. But for him to want to get paid like guys like Odell Beckham and Julio Jones and AJ Green and Des Bryant and players of that ilk, I don't know that you can afford to give him that kind of money if he is just strictly, you know, a possession guy, a right. slot guy, and right. a the lot Dolphins... of it depends, a lot of it depends on, you know, maybe they come out of this year and Devonte Parker has the the breakout that everybody's right. waiting for, That's the thing. and all of a sudden Devonte Parker is your number one receiver, exactly, and you've already you know, committed to paying big money to Kenny Stills. And then if you have Leontay Carew waiting in the wings and he looks like a suitable replacement, then maybe you don't need to give the long-term deal. Now there has been talk that uh, the way the Dolphins salary cap uh, situation kind of sets up for this coming year, while it would be beneficial to sign Jarvis Landry to a longer-term deal that wouldn't be as harsh on the cap, um, they could probably stomach franchising him for one year. And I really think that that's where we're headed. Um, But then the other thing that could happen is Jarvis Landry could have a monster year. Devontae Parker could really not have the breakout. And in that case, um, the Dolphins are going to be in a spot where they're going to need to sign Jarvis Landry to a long-term deal. But any kind of depth on this team – any kind of breakout from a Leontay Carew or a Devontae Parker, um, while it's great news for the team, because ultimately it makes the team better, um, it's probably bad news for Jarvis Landry getting paid. Yeah, probably. I mean, when you when you look at the guys like Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker looks like the guy who's going to be the Odell Beckham, the the Julio Jones, the Des Bryant. He looks like the guy that has the tools to be that kind of player. And looks Dol- like A.J. Green. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins expect him to be that player, but, you know, he, he was 
hampered by that the foot injury last year and, uh, you know, sort of got going towards the end of the season, but never really hit his stride. So hopefully this is going to be the year that he breaks out and, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it was encouraging to see um, the performance of those Dolphins receivers. Um, how about DeMaurier Stringfellow? Talk about a guy with a great name, DeMaurier Stringfellow. And I'll say this. I rarely get excited by a play in a preseason football game. But when David Fales hits DeMaurier Stringfellow for a 99-yard touchdown pass, hey, that's exciting. And I got excited. I got excited watching that. Um, and so it was fun. I mean, I, I really don't believe that we're going to see David Fales on this, on this roster. Um, and to be honest, neither he nor Dowdy looked particularly good. They each, they each had moments where they looked okay, but neither of them really looked like what you might call a, a super competent NFL quarterback. And, you know, I think, if nothing else, that game sort of reinforced the wisdom of the decision to sign another quarterback, regardless of who it was. I mean, we saw that those two guys behind Matt Moore are, are not ready for prime time. So, uh, you know, I think that was another thing that we learned from that game. I thought Marquise Gray had a good game. On Thursday night. And I think he's going to be, he's going to prove to be a very valuable, um, item for this Dolphins team. I think we're going to see him come up big on some third downs, maybe some red zone opportunities. I think Marquise Gray is going to be one of those sleeper guys that is going to prove to be very useful. He, he had some moments last season and based on his performance on Thursday, I think we're going to be seeing a little bit of Marquise Gray this season. Uh, Brain, what what what, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think if if uh, there are injuries at tight end, he has shown he showed last year that he could step right in and be a serviceable tight end. Uh, but I don't think that the plan is for Marquise Gray to step in and be a huge part of this offense. Look, they they went out and they traded for Julius Thomas. They signed Anthony Fasano. Um, you know, those guys didn't play. Uh, so, so Marquise Gray had a much bigger role, a much larger role in, we're talking the first preseason game. So I don't want to read too much into it. Um, Anthony Fasano, if healthy, uh, will definitely be on the field a lot because the Dolphins want to run the ball. And Anthony Fasano is arguably the best blocking tight end in football and Julius Thomas, a guy that they traded for a guy that they did their homework on a guy that Gase coached in Denver with Peyton Manning. Uh, and you know, he went and he talked to Peyton Manning about, uh, whether or not they should trade for Julius Thomas. They brought him in here to be an integral part, an integral, uh, part of this offense. Uh, I think those are the two guys, as far as the tight end position, that the Dolphins will would like to have on the field the most. But Julius Thomas has had a lot of injuries. Anthony Fasano is is no spring chicken, so they will. Marquise Gray will make the team uh, as the third tight end, and I'm sure that he will have a role if one of those other tight ends is not available, 
on a given game. Um, but I don't want to overblow it. Uh, he certainly has shown that he can be serviceable. He can make some catches. He doesn't have a lot of big playability. But, you know, he's he's a nice little player. And uh, what it means is we've got depth at the position is, is what it means. It, what it means is, is if we have one or two injuries at that position, we have a nice stopgap that can fill in. But I don't think it's anything greater than that. And then we've got one last thing to touch on, I think, before we move on to this week in Dolphins history. Um, and that is the news that Ryan Tannehill has, in fact, elected to have his season-ending uh, ACL surgery, which I think is good news. And there's not a whole lot to talk about on this um, because, you know, other than the fact that this makes him available potentially for the 2018 season. But, you know, whether or not he is going to be somebody that the Dolphins uh you know, choose to go with, I think is going to be determined by the kind of quarterback play we see from Jay Cutler this season. I think if Jay Cutler has a fantastic season, then there's a conversation to be had in the offseason about whether or not Ryan Tannehill is coming back as a Dolphin. Um, you know, but otherwise it's it's good news that he's he's getting that that surgery done and and he's available where, you know, in the event that we see mediocre quarterback play all season from the Dolphins this year. I think the Dolphins can feel comfortable and rest assured that they've got Ryan Tannehill there and he's had his surgery and hopefully will not have any more questions about his health going forward. So good for him deciding to get the surgery. I think it's it's the right move. I'm not going to, in hindsight, question the decision to not get the surgery done at, at the time of the injury last season. I think you know, looking back at it in hindsight is pointless. I think the the decision was made at the time because they, they thought maybe they might be able to get him back if the team won a playoff game. So they wanted him to have an opportunity to be ready. So I can't question that decision. But at any rate, he's getting his surgery and, uh, and moving on. And I think that's a smart idea. Brain, any thoughts on that? Not really. I just, I don't know what took them so long. To me, the second they signed Jay Cutler, uh, it should have been pretty much a done deal uh, that, all right, we're we're bringing in Cutler. This is going to be his job. Matt Moore is here. Clearly, if they didn't think that uh, Tannehill was going to need the surgery, uh, they could have gone a different route with a different kind of uh, backup quarterback uh, to to Matt Moore for, for a shorter term kind of fix. Um, but when they brought in Jay Cutler, to me, it was pretty clear. And I think to most all fans, it was pretty clear that we weren't going to see Ryan Tannehill this year, but you know, I guess he, he got, you know, a third opinion, fourth opinion, fifth opinion, and finally decided, you know, let's, let's just get this thing fixed, which yeah, again, I, I really don't know why it took so long to me even before they signed Cutler, when he went back down with the same knee injury, that should have just told you everything that you needed to know, where it was like, okay, look, we tried to do the whole stem cell thing. We tried to rehab this injury without the surgery, and clearly it did not work. Let's just get it fixed. Um, it took them a week, but in my, I, in my opinion, they came to the right decision. Again, not a doctor, but from what I've read, um, 
totally the right move uh, for him to get that fixed. And again, the fact that he's getting the surgery now uh, means entire year to rehab. Now, as far as what that means for next year, uh, you know, is he are the is he ever going to play for the Dolphins again? Look, who knows? Uh, but what I'll say is Jay Cutler would have to have a pretty special year for the Dolphins to say to just hand over the keys to him, a 34 year old who next year will be 35, who would not be under contract. And if he has that kind of special year, you're going to end up having to pay Jay Cutler probably what you're paying Ryan Tannehill right now anyway. And Ryan Tannehill is, what, eight years younger, six, seven, eight years younger than than Jay Cutler. And granted, you have a whole year to play now, but from everything that you're hearing and seeing at practice, Ryan Tannehill still very much the leader on that team, even as a guy who's injured on the sidelines still there, still watching every practice in the ear of all of the players, not just the quarterback. To me, this is still Ryan Tannehill's team. Um, I suppose it's possible that Jay Cutler comes out and throws for like 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and is, you know, has that kind of Chad Pennington season, you know, that we saw from, from Pennington in 2008. Oh, and where he something? finished second in the MVP voting. I mean, yeah. if that happens, then yeah, Cutler is going to be back. But I think it would take that kind of season. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To, for I the think... Dolphins to really just say, oh, we're moving on from Tannehill and we're moving forward with Cutler. Because even if they move on with Cutler next season, if they let go of Tannehill, I mean, you're still in a position where you've got to draft a quarterback. Oh, but, absolutely. And, and if you're going to draft a quarterback, you got to kind of do that in the first and second round. And I think that this is a team that while they're kind of rebuilding at a, you know, they're kind of rebuilding the defense at a time where they still feel like they're a competitive team and a playoff team. I think the parts of this team that make this team competitive, the veteran parts, I think this is more a team that's built to win in the next couple of years than a team that really wants to go through uh, grooming a new rookie quarterback in the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, it's happening. Dolphins are moving on and, and heading headlong into the season. So it's time for our weekly segment of This Week in Dolphins History. This is something that we're going to do every week where we take a look back at uh, significant events in Miami Dolphins history. And I promise these are going to get um, a little bit more interesting, obviously, once we move into the regular season. Um, you know, not a lot of big historical moments happen in, in the month of August, but I do have um, a pretty interesting one for you today. And um, this week in Miami Dolphins history, the Miami Dolphins played a home preseason game against the Green Bay Packers. 
They lost the game 14 to 13. It was their second loss of the preseason. At that point, the team was 0-2, and they would go on to finish the preseason 3-3 before then going on to winning every single game that they played for the rest of the season and winning the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Seven. So, yes, your 1972 perfect Miami Dolphins football team started out the preseason that year 0-2 before eventually finishing the preseason at 500. This was a period of time um, between uh, 1970 and 1977 where the NFL was actually uh, the they the NFL was had each team playing six preseason games, which I can't even imagine the kind of outrage that there would be today if if the NFL had the idea of doing six preseason games. People can't get over the idea of doing four preseason games. But yes, your 1972, the 72 Dolphins were three and three in the post in the preseason, and in fact lost their first two games. I just I thought that was a, a an, an interesting little nugget. Um, considering that, you know, obviously preseason games don't really mean anything, but I thought it was a fun little fact ahead of what would become the greatest season any football team has ever had in the National Football League. That is this week in Miami Dolphins history, and that, I think, is going to be a wrap for this week on the same old Dolphins show. So, uh, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. And hopefully you are already following the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. This is not, um, this Twitter account is not like a lot of other people's official podcast Twitter accounts where they basically just tweet out when the new episode is up. And don't get me wrong, we're going to be doing plenty of that, but we're also going to be putting out lots of opinions, lots of analysis as we, as we go through the season from that account. So make sure you're following each of us personally at Aaron the Brain at Amplified to Rock, but also make sure you're following at Same Old Dolphins on Twitter. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast by following us on SoundCloud, and you can subscribe via iTunes, and you can also subscribe directly through RSS. If you uh, every time you download an episode, the RSS feed is included. A link to the RSS feed is included with each episode, so you can just copy and paste it, put it right into your podcatcher, and make sure that every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is automatically downloaded to your phone as soon as it is released. We'll be back next week with additional thoughts on the Dolphins' next preseason game. Who we got next, Brain? Who's up next in the preseason for the Dolphins? Oh, you caught me off guard. I am not a fan of the preseason, so I didn't even look at the schedule. Let's take a look. I'm pulling it up here. And up next, the Dolphins. They got to play the Bucks, right? They Don't they play the Bucks every. The no, Ravens. The Ravens. They're not playing the Bucks because they're playing the Bucks week one of the NFL season. So. Of the... Oh, that's right. That's right. They got to. Don't want to show too much. That's right. Got to got to protect your hand. Got another home game coming up against uh, the Joe flocko Baltimore Ravens. Um, so that ought to be interesting. That'll be a fun one. That's next next Thursday. All the Dolphins preseason games this uh, this year are on Thursday evening. So we'll be probably recording the podcast for the remainder of the preseason on a Friday 
or Saturday, such as we've done today. Um, and yeah, that's that's going to wrap us up for this week. So we hope we thank you for joining us. Please continue to spread the word. Leave us a review on iTunes. Rate us. Um, it helps other people discover the program. And we want to do biggest thing is we want to make sure there's a network for Miami Dolphin fans to connect with other Miami Dolphin fans. And part of that is this show right here. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Bye bye, everybody. Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal.